Hello, welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of the IntelliCast Podcast. My name is Adam Jolly. Joining me, as always, is Brian Lamar. Hello, Adam. Hey! <laughs> How's it going? So nice, we did it twice. <laughs> Uh, as always, IntelliCast is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can find us on Twitter, EMI underscore research. You can find IntelliCast under, is IntelliCast1. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly. And if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, uh, if you have an idea for Mount Rushmore, if you have an idea for um, a topic you wanted to discuss, or, or maybe we'll give up some creative control and you want to come on, you have a new segment we can start doing, please email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Brian, what's going on? You know, not a whole lot. It's the um, dog days of summer before, you know, football season really gets going. Um, I think it's one of the best times of summer. I agree. It reminds me of something we talked about last week that going back to school was you know, those first couple weeks of college. Yeah. And this time of year kind of reminds me of that, like gearing up to go to college. What type of furniture do you have? These your roommates, what things like that. Like, where are you going to live? That that whole part is happening now. And I, I stay in that mindset even yeah. though I've been out of college for uh, a long time. <laughs> a little while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we've talked about, and one of the things this is kind of a shout out, we'll start out with a shout out. Yeah. An ask yeah. of our listeners is uh, we're looking for a new segment. And so you think about our podcast, like we've always said, it's a little bit different from what you normally would get from a market research podcast. So you get the news on our podcast uh, and kind of our takes on the news. Um, we about every other, every third time we have an interview with somebody, which is a little bit different of an interview. It's not like yeah. usually like what they, where they see the industry. It's not a sales pitch. It's more like more about them and what they have type thing. Yeah. Um, we have rants. We have the Mount Rushmore's. Sometimes we have a print story. We sometimes we have a story from my childhood. Yeah. Um, but we'd love to do more. And it doesn't yeah. have to be market research related. What do the people want? Yeah, what do people want? Do you want more sports, more pop culture? Do you want us to talk more sampling stuff? I feel like we've cut out a lot of sports lately. And I feel like the podcast is hitting a, a great upswing because of that. Yeah, because sports are so niche oriented. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we can talk about anything. I'm excited. So if you do have a new idea for a segment, email us at intellicast at emi-rs.com or you could... Call me, call Brian, tweet us, email us, whatever. You know how to get hold you can of link, You can LinkedIn inbox me. Google me. Um, market research news. Uh, not a whole lot of news this week. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Uh, big news this week, I, I guess, is uh, David Almy, the CEO of the Insights Association, is stepping down at the end of this year. Yeah. Um, says he'd like to step down and spend more time with his family. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on David Almy? Have you ever met him? I haven't, and uh, this kind of makes me sad because I think yeah. he he did a lot for the Insights Association, which, you know, the, when they kind of went through a little turmoil with the combination of CASRO and MRA, and he really stepped up and he created, um, I was just reading about him, he created the um, Corporate Researchers Conference, for right. example, which is awesome, right. which is coming up soon. Um, he did the Code of Marketing Research Standards, and I, he moved the headquarters um uh, from Connecticut to Washington, D.C. Um, so he did a lot of really – he wasn't even CEO of Inside Associates very long, maybe three years, I think. Really? And he really did a lot. And so, I mean, I'm happy for him to spend more time with his family. But from a selfish industry reason, I wish he would stay on longer. But I, I respect whoever the next CEO is will do a great job. Yeah, I think there's been a big shift in the Inside Association since he came on. Um, if you think back, say, 10 years ago, when it was the Market Research Association, you had your – 
your summer conference um, and then you had your fall conference and then every chapter had such a individualized siloed approach to how they were doing their own things. Yeah. And David really did a great job of kind of bringing the whole picture together. So yeah. A lot of support for yeah. local chapters and helping that, you know, helping them with websites, kind of uh, aggregate the events and uh, chapters working together more. Yeah. There's a change. If you, if you were to go to a conference 10 years ago versus now, you'll see a different type of audience. Yep. You'll see a lot more uh, forward thinking type people. Um, to where I remember going to um, my first conference was an Insights Association summer conference, annual conference in uh, 2008. Yeah. And I remember a lot of people saying, like, well, we're in New York. This is just like where we're vacationing for the summer. Right? Yeah. Like they used it as just a place to get out. Yeah. And there was so much of a uh, learning opportunity and networking opportunity. Um, and a lot of that is David. Yeah, absolutely. And back to your siloed point, I completely agree. So I'm a member of the AMA and I'm pretty involved in the AMA and I'm starting to get more involved in the Insights Association. And just to contrast this, um, the AMA has a local conference, um, which is more of a marketing conference, which yeah. has some marketing research elements here in Cincinnati coming up. It's in September. Um, it has a little bit of marketing research, but it's mostly marketing. And I was curious, so I emailed the president of our local chapter and I'm like, hey, what are the other chapters doing? Are there other market research um, conferences because I know there's one in Northeast Ohio. They do one every year in April. And I'm like, what, what's going on in, in the South? What's going on in the mid, in Midwest or or California? And no one knew. Yeah. I this is probably two months ago. I tried to compile a list of like AMA conferences and maybe you know we could always work trips around them because I would love to go to like a conference in like Phoenix or something if oh, it's for, sure. for the AMA. Maybe something different, right? Get in front of new people and see different types of or hear different types of talks. It's unavailable. Yeah. Whereas contrast, and by the way, I love the AMA. Yeah. Um, been a member for a long time and rec recommend them for a lot of things, but they just don't do a good job at the national level of connecting everything. Likewise, the Insight Association, a lot what you just mentioned, they do a great job of connecting everything. And you can find about anything you want about any of the individual chapters. I think there's eight. Right. Um, and at a national level, they have the national conferences as well. And they kind of connect everything together. Right. And so um, they've done a great job. I think that's one of the differences too, is that, so the, the Insights Association has kind of made a point and, and to a sense TMRE as well as to be kind of a uh, resort style conference. Yeah. Right. And so you won't find them in New York for the most part or DC or LA or somewhere like where there's a lot of, or maybe, maybe Chicago, yeah. uh, but where there's going to be a lot of end clients or a lot of places where people can conglomerate with each other. Yeah. Um, and they can do that because of their strong regional work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, absolutely. There is a, yeah. there's a great opportunity. Like if I'm going to a GLC event where I can talk to prospects and clients and get like that insight networking, selling opportunities, learning as well. But then when I go to the national, it's not like I I'm going there and it used to be, I remember I would look at, Oh, there's a conference there. Well, if the conference stinks, where am I? So I can go somewhere else. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, the, and the institution kind of made that decision. We're going to have the resorts where you're kind of locked in at the conference, but also we're going to, feed that need by having such great regional yeah. events as well. And that's a huge part. And uh, it's really cool. I like it. We should talk more about, you know, Insight Association, AMA, SMR, all the different organizations. And, you know, the Canada is really heating up with what they're doing up there. Um, that, that might be a good segment to talk about in the future. Well, I think it's big too. Okay. So like I'll, I'll go off of this a little yeah. bit. So you've got the Insight Association. So I know that we'll do uh, like maybe two to three GLC events a year. Yep. Right. And then maybe we won't do a summer inside association, but we'll do, we're, we're going to go to CRC yep. and that's in Orlando. 
And so I'm okay going to Orlando because of all the regional stuff we do. And I know who's going to be there. And so I have like a different mentality. I'm not going there just to sell and to try to get, you know, what's going on. Contrast to SMR, right? And so SMR doesn't have a lot of local events. And we went to the thing in, um, it was great that kickoff event at IIX in Austin this year. Yes. Really trying to revamp that. uh, They were really big in the local event, the Cincinnati. This is all like a really new thing to build up the regional support in each city about SMR. Yep. The thing is, is that they're having their national conference in Scotland this, this year, Edinburgh. Yep. And it's so like, do I want to invest to go to Edinburgh? And then if the conference isn't what I want, I'm stuck in, I'm stuck in Scotland. Right. But you know what I'm saying? That's expensive. Yeah, because I don't have that connection regionally yet. And I think until I get that connection regionally, like you have to have your conferences in big cities. I remember when SMR came to Montreal and it stunk. Right. (laughs) But then when SMR came to Atlanta, it was great. And there was all other people to see in Atlanta. Atlanta brought a big conglomerate of people and end clients. Yep. Like people that normally wouldn't come to SMR came to the conference that year. Yeah. And so I don't, I just can't imagine if the, if SMR hasn't established that regional thing yet, but you're asking people to go to Scotland, who are you seeing in Scotland? Right. Right. And are people in North America going to go to Scotland? Right. And so, you know, we know Reg Baker, he lives not too far away from here. Yeah. And he's really trying to build up um, the North American SMR membership and the value around SMR and the benefits around it. He's doing a really good job, I think. It's just tough Yeah. Um, when you already have the Insight Association and you have the AMA also kind of competing with you. They're going to take a while. And, you know, me as somebody that, you know, on the board of SampleCon, like we think about location uh-huh. when we're having a place. And then, so you weigh out, you know, in the past it was in New Orleans. Yep. You know, Lucy was driving the bus a lot for a lot of things we were doing. And yeah. it was almost still that resort type feel. Like, yeah. have, it was really, it was hard to get someone to come to New Orleans yeah. for that. And then you go to Austin and you pick up, you pick up some of the Dells. A little bit. You pick some of the Indeeds and some of those type companies that are based in Austin. Yeah. And now next year, you know, we announced, see the date that's going to be in Atlanta. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh my, and like we're getting a brand new set of buyers into yes. the arena for us. Yeah, someone, as soon as you mentioned it, someone mentioned, oh, well, I can get a direct flight from Paris to Atlanta. Right. I'm going to go. Right. So that's, exactly. that's one of the reasons you choose Atlanta, right? Yeah. Um, and one, by the way, one more thing on Science Association. I go there all the time for the regulatory and privacy environment. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're amazing. Um, so if you're not a member, I would recommend being a member of Inside Association also because they put out articles almost every day to help you understand the landscape of regulatory and privacy stuff that's going on with like the California Privacy Act and what's going on. I mean, almost every state has something going on. I learned recently Ohio passed a law. It doesn't really affect marketing research too much, but it's something, if something's going on across the entire United States, they also talk about advocacy in terms of like privacy and things you'll get to learn more about rules around dialing. And so it affects really marketing research very broadly. And they put out a lot of opinion pieces almost every day. So that's a great resource for learning about that. That's awesome. Um, Do you want to jump into a Mount Rushmore? Oh, let's do a Mount Rushmore. This is going to be a good one. This is a great Mount Rushmore. Uh, Whose idea was this? It wasn't mine. It might have been mine. I think it was yours. Yeah. Um, So our Mount Rushmore this week is... Mount Rushmore of Songs of the Summer. 
Oh, what a great category. I feel like now we're just in this nostalgia group. Yeah, a little bit. Like, what's going to make us happy? Because even before, like, so we, uh, producer Brian comes up with the website. It was like top 10 songs of every summer since like 1958. Yes. And we started like going through that. Like, oh my, this is great. It puts it in a good mood. This? Do you remember where you were? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm actually going to try to loop in uh, Adam's childhood story with each one of my songs. <laughs> Oh God, here we go. Okay. Uh, You go first. I'll go first. Well, first, obviously, I'm going to start off with a Prince song, When Doves Cry, 1984. Um, This is not the last song from 1984 on my list. When Doves, I just, that was the greatest summer for music. And for me, I was 13 years old. And that's just a heyday of like your youth, I think. It's the point where you're a little bit independent. I remember running around with my friends listening to the song all summer long. Um, you know, curfews a little bit later. You're not stressed out about school yet or girls yet. It's just, you know, this is the best. I'm with you. Um, I'll go 1986. Uh-oh. Uh, Glory of Love by oh. Peter Cetera. Oh, you took mine. That was really? Yeah, right here. Glory so, of Love. Glory of Love. And I put <laughs> Glory of Love on there because um, it's from the Karate Kid soundtrack. Karate Kid 2. And Karate Kid 2, right? I think everyone knows that. Um, I was young four at the time when this came out but um it was the first song i ever memorized yeah it was four that's my childhood story i would ride around in my mom's ford taurus singing and harmonizing peter cetera for gloria love and it was great and i wanted to be ralph macho and i would always i would always take shirts and towels and time around my head like headbands and stuff and just randomly chop stuff yeah there you go gloria love that that's one of the epitomes of summer songs i think yeah. I think if the glory of love comes out in the winter, it may not even be a hit. Sad. Something about yeah. this is also an era of MTV yeah. and musical montages and movies and songs kind of intermingling, right? That was a much bigger thing, I think, in the 80s. You know what? I, so I was going to go twofold with glory of love. One, soundtracks. Yeah. The soundtracks are done. Yeah. Like, there's no soundtracks anymore. Yeah. Like, I can remember as late as like, like in early 2000s when soundtracks come out and you're like, I've got to buy that. It had like four or five hit songs on it. Yes. And so to have that coming off the Karate Kid 2 soundtrack is huge. <laughs> yes. But then also like, I will challenge you. Like, I believe if this song comes out in the winter, uh-huh. it has a much bigger shelf life. Yeah. Because then it is every homecoming and prom dance song. To where it comes out in the summer when there's not a lot of reaction between 12 to 18 year old boys or girls. And so if this were to come out later, it would have a much bigger uprising in the teen culture. And the type of people who are going to go see Karate Kid are slow dancing to this thing. And it's at every reunion. That's good. See, I think this song represents like summer loving almost. You know, oh, you, have those, you have those little summer yeah. as a 13 year old, maybe a little summer fling or something sure. you have a crush on. And I don't know. I feel like Karate Kid is more of a summer movie. Maybe. I don't know yeah, why. Well, it feels summerish. Yeah. yeah. Even though a lot of it takes place on Halloween. <laughs> yep. That's right. true. I'm off the rails. I'm off the rails. <laughs> All right. My next song. <laughs> um, Magic by the Cars, 1984. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, again, the summer of 1984 had like just a bunch of great summer songs. Right, says, you can have magic. Bing. That song? <laughs> no. No. It's a different song? Yeah. All right. It's when he's Rick Ocasek is dancing yeah. in the pool, and it was like magic that he was walking in the pool singing the song. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now yeah. I'm in. Now I'm in. Amazing song. What year? 1984. Man, we're the best year. <laughs> uh, my next song is from 1989, and it is Richard Marks' Right Here Waiting. Oh, gosh. I realize I've picked two sad songs in a row. Love songs. Love songs. Two love songs. <laughs> hey, you know what? If being a lover is wrong, throw the book at me. Lock me up in one of those cages 
<laughs> okay. Again, off the rails. Uh, but I loved that song when it came out. Um, it reminds me of being at the pool. It reminds me of Adult Swim at the pool. Because I always feel like they would change the music a little bit to be like more like a slower jam. Yeah. When adults got into the pool, 1989, I'm seven. Uh, but my childhood story for Right Here Waiting, uh, iconic part of the song is the beginning, like the piano entry. Like, yeah. like that. And it was my junior year in high school. And this girl, I, I walked into a classroom. I got, I got in the classroom early and she was in there and she started playing it on the piano. It was just me and her in there. And I fell in love. Interesting. To Right Here Waiting. Only nine to ten years after. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But hey, some summer is love lasts forever. Okay, some love, not summer love. All right, good. My next one is a recent one, Despacito. Oh <laughs> man, that's a good one. I think Despacito was so good in the summer. It was probably the song of the summer two summers in a row. That's how good that song yeah. was. I would. I could be a song of the summer now if they re-released it. Kind of like. Um, Old Town Road, how he re-releases with a bunch every of week. every week. Every week. Re-release Despacito with every yeah. new artist. Number one song, guaranteed. I'm with you. There's something there. <laughs> uh, for me, I will go 1991, Summertime. Oh, by, yeah. Uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yes. Uh, I was 1991 so into Will Smith and the Fresh Prince. I wore high top Nike Force basketball shoes or Jordans. I always had like some kind of neon clothing on. Yeah. Um, very much stuck out in 1991 in the middle of Kentucky and listening to DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince Summertime. It was the best. I loved it. Great song. And yeah. he, he had the, he had really good summer songs like many years in a row. I think oh, he yeah. intentionally was like, I'm going to yeah, go for the song he, of the summer. He got on the soundtrack. Yeah. Right. So then it was like yeah. Men in Black yes. and Wild Wild West. Yes. Miami. Yeah. Jiggy with it. One after another. On. Summer hit. What do you got? You got one left? I don't have any more left. You That's only did I three? I did four, but we we. Oh, because I stole, yeah. I stole Glory of Love. What about Ghostbusters 84? That's not on my list. Um, <laughs> anyway, my last one is from 1998 off the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack. And that is Aaliyah, Are You That Somebody? Don't know that song. Oh, it's so good. It's the one that has the baby sound in the background. Aaliyah, the, who died at the young yeah. age. Yeah, yeah. rest in peace. Um, she is she has the baby in the background. Ah, you know that song? Don't know the song. Producer Brian. Brian it's big in Canada. <laughs> it's big in Toronto. Uh, but it reminds me of, um, so it came out in 1998. And um, when that song was playing in 98, probably later on in the summer, uh, I was driving around with one of my buddies and we pitched up a, pitched up a hitchhiker. <laughs> what? Yeah. It was, uh, we pit, picked up a hitchhiker. There were three of us in the car. A hitchhiker, we took him to work um, at a gas station in yeah. Florence, Kentucky. And uh-huh. I always remember because, like, the way the car was situated, he was in the driver's side back seat, the hitchhiker was, and I was in the passenger seat. And I did not agree with picking up the hitchhiker, said pitch. Yeah. pitch. And I thought that I was in the position if he was going to murder somebody. I was in murder position because I was in view of everyone in the car and he could make an example of me. Overthinking it. I know. Wow. Well, Leah's playing at the time and it's Dr. Duther and another soundtrack song for me. I do have one more. Okay. I Need Love <laughs> of the whole Cool J. Oh, it was 86? 87. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I just Google it. That's the only reason I know that. All and right. this one, I was on vacation and this is 87. I was 16 years old and vacation in Florida at a beach. 
um, with the family. And I remember I was 16 and I met some other guys about the same age as me. And we went on a ride off of the resort and just like went around town. And I thought that was the craziest thing in the world. Like that was so amazing as a 16 year old to get to like actually leave my parents while on vacation with people I didn't really know, but LL Cool J, I need love. I remember that song while laying on the beach and being with my new friends who I never saw again. You want to do a Maui, uh, Worst songs of the summer? Worst songs of the summer? Um, Sure. Um, 2009, I Got a Feeling, Black Eyed Peas. Oh, man, I like that song. Uh, 2011, Party Rock Anthem. Pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Uh, A lot of these recent ones are pretty bad. Um, Then now I'm hitting just straight gold, though. I did have 1998, The Boy Is Mine, was a very close one for me. How about... um, Oh, Macarena, 96. How about Papa Don't Preach Madonna? Horrible. Oh, Baby Got Back, 1992. Gross. The Flame by Cheap Trick? Nope. That was, yeah. So that's, that's the first thing I went to was 1982. The year I was born to see what it was. And it's Eye of the Tiger. Oh, that's a good song, though. But number three, Abracadabra, which we've talked about. Oh, yeah. Right? Abracadabra yeah. by Steve Miller Band. It is alphabetically by song title the first song. So every time I plug in my phone for a while, oh yeah, yeah. Dabber would start playing, and then it became Abacab by Genesis, and now it's Aaron Burr from the Hamilton soundtrack. Oh okay. Yeah, oh so, yeah. There you go. All right. Um, good Mount Rushmore. Good oh, Everglades. Good segment. Uh, but you can understand by listening to this that we need new segments. Yes. Right. This might be the last Mount Rushmore. Unless we get some view- listener requests. Yeah, I'm, I'll cut this thing off right now. <laughs> um, that brings us to our interview for the week. Let's just run into it. Um, our interview this week is with Ted Waz of Opinion Economy. Yeah. Um, and it goes twofold here. So we're going to talk about Opinion Economy and blockchain. So if you came, at, if you saw Ted's name and you came for the Ted, we're going to give you the Ted. <laughs> we're going to give you the Ted you love and adore and expect it. But the other part that we're going to talk about is like there's another side to Ted, and that is the uh, investment side. Yeah. And so he dabbles in investments, a lot of different things outside of market research. And so yeah. with the reset, you know, with the Bain Capital going into Cantar, with private equity going into Schlesinger, with J.D. Power getting bought, with Dynative, all these things, right? Sent and P2 and all these, all these acquisitions and yeah. a lot of VC money going into market research as well. We're going to ask him about that. Yes. And is this good for the industry? Do we see market research as a growth industry finally? Um where does he see the industry going? Because if you yeah. think about it, like 18 months ago, the first time we met Ted was at SampleCon in Austin, where he came and he sat on like an investor's board talking about people that invest. Yes. Uh, this is before opinion economy really took off. And he gave some predictions about where market research was going. Yep. Well, then blockchain, he got really into blockchain. Maybe people lost track of that conversation with yeah. him. He was right. Yeah, he predicted a lot of these mergers and acquisitions. He said there would be consolidation in the industry. And um, I'd forgotten that until we interviewed him. That he had, And he was very bold about that prediction, and yeah. he was right. So it's he has a great perspective on this, um, much more educated on this situation than, yeah. uh, than I am, absolutely. So good to hear his perspective. Yeah, we talked to us a lot about third-party data yes. back then. And now that uh, I'm just not learning what that means, I still don't know. I'll tell you the wrong thing right now. <laughs> Uh, so it's a little bit of both. So uh, you'll get the blockchain. You'll hear a lot about opinion economy, but you're going to get a lot about investments and where, and where the industry is going and where Ted sees the industry going and what industries he thinks can be affected more by market research and where more money can come in. And uh, that's always nice to hear, right? To yes. me, that's been the big perk of the last couple of weeks is like money's coming in our industry. Like yes. this is exciting, right? We're not Absolutely. just off. We're not libraries. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So that'll do it. Uh, stay for Ted. And then... Uh, 
if you have any questions and if maybe if you had a follow-up for Ted or and again, if you have any segments, feel free to reach out to us. And uh, without any further ado, Ted Waz. Joining us now is Ted Waz. Ted, how are you? I'm doing well and it's great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I know we've uh, kind of our paths crossed a little over a year ago, I think probably at, well, probably SampleCon last year was the first time and then going into IAX. And then we've talked a lot about opinion economy in the last year. So uh, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. It's great to be here. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we kind of always start um, in market research. No one really has like a linear is like no one's dreaming when they're a little kid that somehow they're involved in the market research industry. Uh, so our first question is always like, what is your injury, your origin story? Like what got to, to where you are now? Sure. Um, so actually I got here, um, by way of accident as many of the best life events, uh, happen. Um, I, I met Isaac Rogers, um, a little over, I guess it's two years ago now. Um, Isaac Rogers is, a Heads up 2020 market research in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, got me interested in uh, the consumer data play um, for market research. And I had a, a, a long history of being involved in finance, technology, and operations and uh, data management. And um, so all of those things came together. And when I met Isaac and the passion that he and Jim and Catherine at 2020 Research had for market research, um, I, I said, there's a great opportunity here to bring together um, several types of technology, uh, artificial and general intelligence, blockchain distributed ledger, and um, security for identity management and for cybersecurity, and said, this would be great. Let's pull it all together. And, and we did. And that's how um, we launched the opinion economy and, and how I got involved. Wow. That's awesome. So it's, it's been, um, I think the big bang in market research for blockchain was probably IIX last year. Um, and since then, you know, it's been a little bit over a year now, where have you seen like the last year go in terms of not just with opinion economy, but blockchain, like what has the evolution been of it over the last year? Sure. So, so blockchain and um, crypto, and yeah. we need to be able to address both of those, uh, both together and separately. So um, the advent of the technology um, was heralded in with Bitcoin and Ethereum and the crypto tokens. Lots of big play, big ramp, big press, big investment, big failures. And, um, and then it's been this up and down roller coaster ride on the token economic side of, of blockchain, not associated with market research. And then the blockchain and the distributed ledger slide, which is uh, the more technical infrastructure sort of thing. There were about eight companies um, that came out of the gate with white papers and they did ICOs and they raised about $200 million. Um, and you haven't really heard anything from them. Um, you know, they started doing some stuff and then they sort of just blended into the background. Um, blockchain itself in market research, there's a steady climb. There are people who are very much interested in taking the key 
aspects of blockchain and distributed ledger, and then using that as an immutable record uh, for market research to help um, prevent or circumvent uh, fraud or misuse of data. Now, there have been a whole host of other activities uh, during the course of the last 18 months, which have caused adoption uh, to be slower than we we would hope. Um, And that includes one of the predictions I made uh, when I was at the um, the first conference where I, I met you guys uh, in February of 2018, and that was that there would be some significant consolidation in the market research industry uh, by investors, and there would be a lot of consolidation. There would be a lot of attention on consumer data from the EU uh, with the advent of GDPR. And um, the investment would take a more traditional route related to blockchain and distributed ledger. And all of those things have come true. Right. Wow. That's, that's huge growth, I think. You know, I mean, especially from where we started. And, uh, and I agree with you. Like a lot of things have come up that maybe halted it as much, but I don't think that the momentum is still moving forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there is very definitely um, forward momentum. And it, when you look at um, the, just in the United States, the government agencies and municipalities, uh, more than 80% of them report that they are engaged in some sort of blockchain and consumer data um, initiative. And most of them include some sort of market research, whether qualitative or quantitative. And then you go to the commercial side, and virtually all of the Fortune 500 companies, and, and uh, certainly extending out to the Fortune 1000, um, are engaged in some identification of how blockchain and the use of consumer data and security will impact them. And one of the one of the items that I have I've said repeatedly is that there are lots of people that ran out very quickly and said, oh, we're going to blockchain, we're going to blockchain, give us money. And and I said from the beginning that if you're going to blockchain or use distributed ledger in research uh, for consumer data, then there are only six things that really uh, you should be using it for. And that's requisition to reconciliation, identity management, inventory management, asset management, the order to cash cycle, and for security purposes. And those those six things form uh, the hexagon of trust within market research uh, for uh, both qualitative and quantitative research. No, I agree. And I I think it's, do you think there's like a balance of those six or are there any that's more important to market research of that six? Well, I, I think depending on who you're talking with, um, yeah. there there's a, a different balance. Um, I I would argue that the protection of consumer data is probably one of the most important. And and I'll go to the EU and and the UK with their ICO. Um, so you have the General Data Protection Regulation for the EU. That's 28 countries, and for now, UK is included. And then you have in the UK, you have the ICO, which is their um, their data compliance office. And those represent um, 
structures that place real fines and real potential damages for multinational corporations operating within the EU and um, operating within the United States for which EU citizens are actively engaged. And we, we saw the very first um, GDPR fine come out against Google. Um, it was a 50 million euro fine um, for misuse of, of data related to advertising. And um, that set the precedent for the other 27 EU countries to follow suit with a fine against Google. So that 50 million euro um, really represents 1.4 billion in fines. We saw also that the Marriott hotel system, British Airways, Facebook, Amazon, um, uh, Netflix, all, all uh, there's a, a whole host of other companies that are now engaged in various lawsuits around consumer data um, that also is tied to, some of it is tied to research, um, that really impacts the bottom line of corporations. So folks are, are getting um, very focused on cybersecurity. They're getting very focused on how they validate the identity of uh, consumers and for consumer research. And um, the impact on the, the market research industry and its adjacent industries to include um, advertising and the large consumer data players like MFang, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Netflix, and Google. Right. Um, there's, there are big fines ranging from, you know, a billion to 23 billion that have come out in the news recently. Wow, geez. Uh, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit because I know that we've talked about investments in the past and you've invested in a lot of different, it's not just market research, uh, but lately there are industry, which, which isn't really popular into investments, uh, has been seeing some more investments come in. So you see like the Bain Capital buying a big percentage of Kantar, you know, private equity going into things like Schlesinger, uh, Toma Brava buying JD Power last week. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just new and it's just like the splash, but I wanted to get your perspective on this. Um, do you see kind of a hope or do you see more of a concern with this new money coming into the market research industry? So I, I actually, um, a year and a half ago, I said that the market research industry, um, as it exists then, back in February of 2018, will not be the same industry five years later. And that's because adjacent industries are going to come in and they're going to start to take over. And the, this new infusion of, of money from larger investment houses um, really are going to start to transform how market research is conducted. And the, the play to a larger consumer data research, um, as opposed to the traditional um, active querying of respondents, whether it's, it's through um, online means or through telephone inquiry or through qualitative assessment, uh, is going to shift to be part active, but the majority is going to be passive. And that's what we've seen from Facebook and Google and Netflix. Uh, and most major corporations now are pushing money towards those initiatives. And because of legislation like, like GDPR and like 
the California Consumer Protection Act and proclamations, for example, from the governor of California to say uh, corporations that are taking our doing research and taking information from our consumers need to pay our California residents. Well, that's starting to happen in multiple other states as well. So I think that the, the new investment money sees what um, Facebook and Google and Microsoft and Amazon and Netflix have done, and they see an opportunity to, to become part of the next phase and to be ahead of that. And market research, I think, has a, a low-cost entry level to be able to make that happen. Hey Ted, this is Brian. That's that's so interesting to me. And um, as Adam mentioned, it's this is kind of a new thing for us. And you obviously predicted it. But who? I, my question is, who kind of pursues who? If you're a Dynata or a Nielsen or a Cantar, does it a, a private investment firm? Just do they reach out to them, or is it the other way around? So it, it happens both ways, and you know it, it happens along conversation lines. Um, I mean, I, I had conversations with um, the CEO of Dynata about consumer data almost from the very start. And, and they were on an acquisition um, pathway, uh, integrating technologies. They've done a, a really good job of consolidating, um, you know, larger players under, under their banner. And um, they've, they've made themselves through that sort of consolidation a target for an even larger investment. The, the same way you saw uh, SAP with their investment. I mean, I, I think that I think when SAP um, uh, bought the, the majority stake in, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Qualtrics. Qualtrics. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, when SAP bought Qualtrics. I think people were, were shocked by that because they didn't see how that was a logical market research play. And it's not. It's not a, it's not a market research play. It is a consumer research play for a much larger view of the world. And the, the fact that market research is uh, a vibrant component of what could happen is, I think, very real. And, and it's lower cost than trying to take over advertising which has a much higher fraud rate than market research. I, I guess kind of to sum it up, thinking about this investments and stuff and where the industry is going, do you see market research as, as a growth industry? Because traditionally it really hasn't been, right? Yeah, I, I think um, <laughs> right now, I think in the, in the market research proper space, I think there's a lot of consolidation of swapping of, of revenue. Um, so sample and panel companies, there's a lot of swapping taking place, um, in the, in the big house market research companies, they're going to swallow up a lot of the mid-sized companies. And some of it will happen just because the mid-sized companies are not going to be able to afford the type of business insurance they're going to need over the next couple of years to deal with consumer data and cybersecurity breaches. Um, and and I think that's going to become more and more common that mid-sized companies, smaller and mid-sized companies are going to opt out of providing the services they do. And they'll try to consolidate amongst each other or they'll be picked up by a larger player. Um, but I think that in the end, the short term, I don't think there's a lot of growth. I think 
The market research consolidation is a long-term play that will ultimately lead to enhanced consumer growth. That's, that's great. Uh, well, thanks, Ted, for, for teaching us a little bit more about uh, not just blockchain, but but where the industry is. And I think that you have like a unique perspective and that you have kind of investments outside of the industry. And I don't know what it's, it's like a too close to the forest to see the trees, but a lot of things, times in our industry, I think we just see what's in front of us. Uh, and so it's been awesome to get that kind of perspective. I, I will share one last one last thought on, on that. Um, we're going to see over the course of the next three years that um, the telephony, data, and retail are going to merge even more than they have already. Okay. Wow, and, really? Yes. yes. Uh, there are big things happening globally um, around these things. That's awesome. Well, well, thank you so much, Ted, for joining us. And uh, we, anything you want to plug? What, where can we find you? Where can we read more? How can we? Uh, how can anybody get in touch with you? Uh, so uh, we're still working the opinion economy, and um, uh, right now my CTO and I are um, actively working uh, to secure some investment for our next phase with our initiative. Um, and we're we've been doing a lot of talking. I've I presented to the Pentagon and uh, the Defense Information Security Agency. I just came back from uh, Kuwait where I was talking to a group of investors there, uh, the UK. Um, I'm speaking in Athens, uh, Greece a little later this year, uh, Hawaii. And these are all discussions around uh, consumer data and blockchain and how the monetization of that benefits both companies and uh, individuals. So uh, ted.waz at opinionblockchain.com is a great way to reach me. It goes right to my phone, and I'm very responsive. I, I can't attest to that. You are very responsive. Uh, thank you so much, Ted. I appreciate it. All right. Hey, thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate your time and love your show. Oh, thanks. All right. Good interview. Yeah, he's he's such an interesting guy. Fascinating dude. Kind of a disruptor in the industry. He wouldn't say he's a disruptor. I feel like he's a disruptor in a good way. Yeah. I feel like we need a little shakeup every once in a while. And he that might be the moment the industry started getting a little shaken up, right? Yeah. I think we think of a disruptor as being such a negative thing all the time. Oh, it's positive. You know, but it has to be a positive because, like, there were years where there wasn't. And I mean, think about it. We were talking about Insight Association earlier. Right. And there was no disruptor and it was just same old, same old and it plateaued. And we were going the way of the typewriter for a lot of things. Yeah. Somebody comes in, shakes that. You think about what he's done. Think of what, you know, Comer has done, um, people like that and how they've kind yeah. of shaken up the industry. And now things are better because of it. And I do love his perspective of and I get into this trap of thinking only about marketing research, but it really gets into like consumerism and way beyond marketing research. So businesses are making decisions not just on the survey that we provided them, but it's all kinds of other factors. So connecting all these data points is just, it's a natural evolution. So it's interesting to me. That's great. That'll do it for season two, episode 27 of the IntelliCast podcast. As always, you can email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. You find us on Twitter, EMI underscore research, IntelliCast one. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly. Brian. Anything going on? You got the con- you're going to a conference, uh, the GLC, right? For well, the GLC, it's in Detroit, September 11th through September 13th. I'm pretty excited about it. That's going to be huge. And then uh, you can catch me and Tony Brown at the Insights Association CRC in October 22nd through 24th in Orlando, Florida. 
Um, that'll do it for this episode. Anything going on? Nope. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. We'll see you guys next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.